0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Coming. Settle down, I'm coming.
2: Carl, it's me, Molly, from work. Uh, What are you
1: doing here? I know who you are.
2: Molly Daniels from Short and Curly. You have to see this video. You,
1: You could have just emailed me.
2: I don't know how to use email on my phone. Can I come in? OK,
1: well, s- sit down over here. Let me get you a tea. Do you want anything? Peppermint, chamomile, earl grey, jasmine, green, chilli chocolate?
2: No time, Carl. Look at this. It's so beautiful. Here, come watch this on my phone. I've never seen this before.
1: Whoa, th- that's a Tasmanian tiger, right? The Tasmanian tiger is now very rare, being forced
2: out of its natural habitat by the march of civilization.
1: It looks like a super old video and it's in black and
2: white. It's from the 1930s, showing the last living Tassie tiger just pacing around its cement enclosure.
1: This is the only one in captivity in the world.
2: There were thousands of tigers living on the island and then suddenly nada, niente, nothing. Here's how our Tasmanian Brains Trust from Lansdowne Crescent Primary School described this beautiful extinct marsupial predator.
0: kind of looks like a dog with stripes on it, but it has pointy ears. The last Tasmanian tiger was in the Hobart Zoo, and then it died. One that was in the zoo, actually they thought it was a male, but it was actually a female. I think they killed them because the farmers didn't like them eating their sheep. And I think they're spreading rumours that people are finding them again.
2: Yeah, there have been so called sightings of Tassie tigers over the years, but I'm here because of the news.
1: Uh, what news?
2: Did you not hear the news? Oh, here, let me turn your radio on. How, how does this thing work?
1: You just gotta adjust the dial and then the, the antenna this way, here.
3: This is Olivia Willis on ABC News Radio. Australian scientists are celebrating the rebirth of a species. Researchers in Tasmania have been able to bring back to life the Tasmanian tiger, almost 100 years after humans hunted it to extinction.
2: More on that story shortly. Oh, so handy. That's the exact story I wanted to show you.
1: That is pretty interesting.
2: Well, what I find really interesting is whether or not we should be allowed to bring extinct creatures like Tasmanian tigers back from the dead.
1: Uh, Why wouldn't we? Especially given it was humans that killed them off.
0: Well, let's hear from our brains trust again. It depends what kind of animal it was, because if it was a dinosaur, you wouldn't want to bring them back because they are very large and they could um, eat animals that or destroy the habitat of animals that are already coming to be extinct. Um, Well, if they're ones that the humans hunted down, probably not, because we hunted them down for a reason, because they were doing things that we didn't like them doing. If we did bring them back, yes, there will be people who don't think and people will protest, but what I think they're not getting is, we killed them and then, we're trying to bring them back, so technically we're doing, putting a wrong, right. If we do bring them back, we might be making more damage, so it wouldn't be beneficial. They could like destroy our planet that we've changed and they wouldn't really survive now.
4: If we do do that, then we'll never learn how to fix our own pro- Like if we can just bring everything back once it's gone, we'll never know how to resolve problems if something goes wrong with that thing that brings everything back.
0: Um, We might not have the same habitat as, well we don't have the same habitat as when they were around so they wouldn't, they don't know how to survive and we'd have to just care for them all the time. And there's um, not really enough space for them because like if it was a dinosaur you can't put them in the desert or something. Maybe yes, but it depends where you bring it back to like, if you don't bring it back to an area where there's a huge population so it depends where like which continent or whatever you bring it back to. I suppose yes, but it depends like there were animals that they used to eat back then and there were they might decide that we're those animals and eat us. Today on
2: short and Curly, should we bring back animals that have gone extinct?
1: Yeah, what could go wrong?
0: listening, an short. You're listening to short and curly. and curly. Yay! Short and curly. Curly, 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 curly. Short and curly.
1: And now over to you to think about this curly question of bringing extinct creatures we humans have killed off. Back from the dead.
2: Feel free to pause the show once our catchy thinking music starts to chat about it with those around you.
1: And the question is, would it be a good idea to bring back the Tasmanian tiger? Why or why not? Hit pause now.
3: Olivia Willis here on ABC News Radio. And is it ethical to bring back to life extinct creatures like the Tasmanian tiger? Dr. Matt Beard from the Ethics Centre will join us shortly.
2: Carl, did you hear that? Matt from work is going to be on the news.
1: Yeah, I know who Matt is.
3: Shh, it's starting. Dr. Matt Beard, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Olivia. Now, what's your hot take on bringing the Tasmanian tiger back to life?
4: So there are a couple of things to think about here. First off, we have to say the Tasmanian tiger going extinct was a bad thing. And it was the fault of the people who settled in Tasmania. So in general, we think it's a good thing to fix wrongdoings whenever we can. Wow, it's like he's done this before, Molly.
2: Yeah, it's kind of his job.
4: Shush. I think sometimes once something's broken, it can't be fixed. And we can make things worse by trying. Even though we should think about making up for bad things that have happened in the past, we need to be careful that we're not making things worse.
3: Some argue that humans have a duty to try and bring the tiger back to life because, well, we were the ones who made it extinct in the first place.
4: Well, we need to ask whether the Tasmanian environment can handle having the Tassie tiger return. What would happen if we had to keep Tassie tigers in captivity? And are there new diseases or pollutions that might cause these new Tasmanian tigers to suffer?
3: Matt, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks
4: for having me, Olivia. And a quick shout-out to Molly, Carl and all the Short and Curly listeners at the Epic 2007. Whoop, whoop! Uh,
3: That was Dr Matt Beard from the Ethics Centre. Coming up in a moment, is cotton candy really made of cotton? And is fairy floss really made from fairies?
2: Woo! We got a shout-out! Wow.
3: I
1: had no idea he had a life outside Short and Curly. I figured he was just some guy who knew his Simone Veil from his Simone de Beauvoir. Am I right? You are not. But you know what? I think Matt kind of missed something there. I mean, bringing back the Tasmanian tiger, I don't think that's going far enough.
2: What do you mean?
1: I mean that before the Tassie tiger went extinct, Australia lost a whole lot of other giant creatures called... Megafauna.
2: Mega cool. Like dinosaurs?
1: Kind of. Just imagine mixing ancient dinosaurs with big Australian animals of today.
2: Ooh, so you think we should have brought them back instead of the Tasmanian tiger?
1: Molly, I don't just think. I do.
2: Do what?
1: Come with me, my dear friend. I have something to show you. (laughs)
2: secret door?
1: Come inside, Molly.
2: What are these monsters down here?
1: Using all of Short and Curly's money, I have built onto the side of my house, my laboratory. Yes, this, my dear Molly, is my very own ancient zoo.
2: Oh. My god.
1: (laughs) I am a god. Using my knowledge as a former geneticist, plus my well-known creative spark, I figured out how to bring back some of Australia's most amazing extinct animals, (laughs) the megafauna. I call it Megafauna Park.
2: Wait, this feels a lot like that film where scientists brought dinosaurs back to life, you know, Jurassic Park.
1: No, Molly. There's only one rule in Megafauna Park. We never mention that film. It completely misrepresents what I'm trying to do here with my little babies.
2: If you say so. (coughs) Whoa, what is that?
1: Wait, wait, all, all is explained if you put these headphones on. Okay. I'm so proud of this. I've made my very own audio tour of Megafauna Park. It took me weeks. And you're the first person who gets to listen.
2: Ooh, lucky
1: me. Yeah, let me hit play. Welcome to the Megafauna Park Audio Tour with your host, Carl. First up, Thylacolio, the largest meat-eating Australian mammal on record. This ferocious lion-like marsupial weighs between 90 and 160 kilograms. Plus its secret weapon, a ferocious barb-like thumb.
2: Yikes! You don't want to get two thumbs up from this guy, (laughs) right?
1: If you walk down the corridor on your left, you'll see the largest flightless bird ever to have existed. Hailing from the Northern Territory... Sturton's Thunderbird, otherwise known as Dromoinus sturtoni, or possibly the best nickname for any creature anywhere ever, the Demon Duck of Doom. It was really cold, that? Next up, coming up on your right, meet Diprotodon. A giant wombat, two metres tall, three metres long and weighing almost 3,000 kilograms. Whoa, that's
2: a big boy. And that's the end
1: of the Mega Fauna Park Tour. Thanks for listening. This has been a Cool Carl production.
2: All right, I rate that audio tour three stars. Carl, this is very impressive.
1: Yeah, I've been busy.
2: But... uh... I don't think this is a good idea. What happens if they get out?
1: Wait, a minute ago, you loved the idea of bringing back the Tasmanian tiger. What's the big difference?
2: Well, we know that we humans killed the tiger off, but this feels different. We don't know for sure what killed off malaco,
1: Thylacolia.
2: Or difraglapiotoc.
1: Diprotodon.
2: They're hard words to say. I just think things could so easily go wrong. They could get loose and then it would be all your fault.
1: But I'm a creative scientist at the forefront of knowledge. We need to take risks in this job. Anyway, I've got to go feed my demon duck of doom. It gets angry and starts thrashing around if I don't give it afternoon tea, little fusspot.
2: That doesn't sound good. What's that sound? It's getting closer.
4: Whoa, Dipro, good girl, a good girl?
2: Matt, how are you riding that giant wombat?
1: Okay, Molly, I'm back. Oh, Matt, you're here too. Yeah, Matt's been helping me train my creatures. He's a real megafauna whisperer, actually, and he has a special bond with
4: Diprotodon. Dipro, that's it, girl. Show me your best
2: backflip. A good
4: girl. Who's a good girl?
2: Matt, surely you cannot be okay with what Carl's doing here?
4: Ah, I do have some concerns. Hey, couldn't resist riding a big wombat, though. They're my spirit animal.
2: Can't argue with that. But, Matt, there's a big difference between bringing back the Tazzy Tiger and bringing back these much more ancient creatures, isn't there? Well... Both
4: are extinct native animals that we're bringing back to life. Does it really matter whether one of them died out because of humans and the other didn't?
2: Well, doy, one is trying to right a wrong, the other isn't.
4: And actually, there's
1: quite a popular theory that early Indigenous Australians might have had a role in wiping out the megafauna. Others say it could have been changes in the climate, though.
4: Well, that's interesting because if it turns out that humans had a role in wiping out the megafauna as well, that means there are even more similarities between them and the Tassie tiger. Plot twist? Maybe, but it's only a plot twist if we think it matters how an animal was wiped out.
2: I mean, of course it matters. If humans wiped the animal out, then it's our job to right that wrong.
4: But can we really right that wrong? We can't bring back the actual animals who were wrongly killed, we can only replace them with new animals. You could say that we've wronged the whole species that went extinct, or that we've wronged the ecosystem, but I don't know if those are wrongs that we can fix without causing even more harm. But this is all
1: irrelevant. My megafauna aren't going to harm anyone. They're locked up in here, safe
4: and sound. Yeah, do they have much quality of life down here? I mean, what's the point of bringing them back if they don't have a chance to live full lives?
2: OK, well, why don't we ask the Brains Trust what they think about the responsibility of scientists when it comes to bringing back extinct species from the
0: dead? Half of the time, experiments do go wrong and they can't predict exactly what's going to happen. That's why they actually do the experiments. The saying is that you learn from your mistakes, so if if they make the mistake once, then they're probably not going to do it again.
4: Well, if they knew what the odds are, and it was really bad odds, like 80% chance that it was going wrong, we could blame it on them because they knew that it probably would go wrong, but they did it anyway.
1: Okay, so they mostly think we scientists shouldn't be blamed when things turn out badly.
2: Not so fast, buddy. This is what they had to say about you and your little home laboratory.
0: He doesn't probably have the right environment in the back of his house. And also, if he didn't have the right knowledge, I don't know if he does or not, then probably not. Carl is inexperienced and he knows it. If he's just started (laughs) becoming a scientist, then he wouldn't really... He knows that he might not be able to do it the correct way. If it's just
4: him in his back shed, it's his fault for not getting professional help or getting it checked, not just him. Like, you've got to get a lot of people saying, yeah, that's okay, not just one person.
0: On top of that, usually half the time in an experiment, there's more than one person doing it and half the time, there are many different scientists. There could also be a historian involved in it, but if it's just him doing the experiment, it's not probably going to work out.
1: Well, surely you listening would back me up on this, though. I am just an innocent scientist, after all.
2: Not so sure about that, but feel free to pause for a moment here for our next thinking question.
1: Imagine you were a brilliant, well-meaning scientist like me who built something amazing but didn't think through absolutely everything that might happen afterwards.
2: Do you think it would be okay if everyone blamed you if something went wrong? Hit pause now. What was that noise,
4: Dipro? What are you doing out here? I guess she just wanted to come and hang out with her favorite person, didn't you, Dipro's A good girl.
1: Know, how did how did she get out? <gasps> The thylacoleo den. Oh no. Wait, what? The, the demon duck sometimes kicks doors down. And that must have been how Dipper got out. Plus, thylacoleo. That marsupial lion is a vicious killer. We've got to get it back before... <laughs> Row. ro Looks like they've trashed all the
2: cages. Carl, we have to do something.
1: Well, I, I just brought
2: Australia's native species back to life. My my job is done. Your job is just starting, kiddo. Otherwise, this is going to be just like Jurassic Park. Molly, we don't utter those words here. But it's completely relevant. In the movie, the dinosaurs were brought back to life by scientists. Mm -hmm. Then they broke free, Mm -hmm. and then they started eating everyone. I don't want to be Megafauna Lunch.
1: Okay, Uh, let, let me devise a plan to get the park back under control. Quick, let's get outside and see how bad the damage is.
2: <sighs> oh no. Look, Thylocokomo. Thylocolio. Whatever. It's eating cat food. Oh! Now it's chasing cats. Carl! Isn't it beautiful? I
1: mean, new species and old ones getting along together, just playing tag with the neighbor's cat.
2: Okay, it's clearly gonna eat the neighbor's cat. Carl There's gotta be some sort of backup plan, a way to get these animals under control.
4: <gasps> I know. Matt, you're alive! I've got an idea. The animals love me. And the sound of my recorder. I've been playing the lullabies since they were first born.
1: (coughs) Ow. It's it's not working for me.
2: (laughs) Look, they're coming back. You're like the Pied Piper, Matt. They're drawn to the sound of the recorder.
1: And your animal magnetism. There's the demon duck, philocoleo, and here comes Dipro. All accounted for. Okay, I'm going to close up the lab now. They're back.
2: We did it. Group high five. Mm -hmm. Carl. What are you gonna do with all those creatures? Obviously, they want to roam free, but you can't just let them loose here.
1: Okay, well, I have a plan. You see, the government called earlier, offering to house my megafauna on a distant island, away from humanity, off limits to the rest of civilization, a kind of lost land, if you will.
2: You mean. Like the second Jurassic Park film, The Lost World. Yeah, I'm sure that'll end really well.
1: Molly, this is nothing like Jurassic Park.
2: Except in every single possible way.
1: Well, gang, I think my job here is done.
2: Mm, Not really. You've taken no responsibility. You've just relied on Matt and the government to clean up your mess.
1: Like I said, job done.
2: Ugh. Well, maybe you listening could have done a better job.
1: I'd like to see our listeners genetically manipulate ancient DNA into living megafauna. Like, that's going to happen.
2: Good to know that Carl thinks you're a bunch of num-nums. But if we left you with that power to bring back any extinct creatures from the past, the question is, should you do it? And which animals would you want to bring back?
1: Feel free to pause the show to think or discuss.
2: Hit pause now. All right, crisis averted for now. A big thanks to our brains trust today from Lansdowne Crescent Primary School in West Hobart, Tasmania.
1: That's Hamish, Matthew, Diprotodon, Scarlet, the Demon Duck of Doom, Pippa, Annabelle, Nita May, Thylacolio and Angus.
2: And let's not forget our fellow wranglers here at ABC Audio Studios' Megafauna Park.
1: Executive vet Justine Kelly, demon duck rider Kyla Slavin and ancient sounds engineer Jonathan Hockman.
2: Also, this show idea came from one of our excellent listeners named Uma. She heard that people are trying to bring woolly mammoths back using DNA, and wanted us to make a show about bringing animals back from the dead. So we did. Thanks, Uma.
1: Wait, has anyone seen the Demon Duck of Doom?
2: Everyone, grab a recorder.
0: This has been an ABC podcast. Check out the ABC Kids Listen app. It's full of educational and entertaining audio programs. Hey, Short and Curly Crew, Molly here. And Carl. And we want to tell you about a new podcast
2: you might enjoy.
1: It's a story series set in the quiet Australian town of McElroy. And it's about two 14-year-old friends who start to realise there's some really weird stuff going on in their town.
2: And so they investigate.
1: I've always thought of myself as a bit of an investigator.
2: Oh, really? So you solved the case of who stole your cheese sandwich from the short and curly fridge?
1: Uh, no, that's ongoing.
2: Okay, well, then I guess you've found out how your cat keeps sneaking out of the house even though you say all your doors and windows are locked.
1: Uh, well, there's some suspects, but we're still figuring it out.
2: Okay. Well, Tang and Mitch, the main characters in Macroy Uncovered, actually do have investigative skills.
1: Yeah, so maybe listen to them instead of me.
2: Yes. Listen to Macroy Uncovered, the podcast. Get it via the ABC Listen app or Google and Apple Podcasts.
1: And if you like it, tell literally everyone you know.